Welcome to an all-new episode of the Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with dance instructor, choreographer, and reality television star, Abby Lee Miller, faster than she would put me at the bottom of the pyramid. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Abby Lee, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Hello, Logan. Thank you so much for doing this. And in fairness, this is the body of the base of a pyramid. Let's be fair. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't be so harsh on yourself. It's more fun when I have to put you going top, right? <laughs> yeah. A little more work for everyone uh, down below. How's your week going? Well, it's Monday. It's, I know. But... It's going fast. Sunday to Monday. <laughs> Sunday to Monday. Awesome. I saw a horrible movie yesterday. Horrible. Oh, what was it? Spencer. I don't know that movie. It's it's that Kristen Scott, and she's in. She was that werewolf girl, and she is in this movie, and it's being like uh, just applauded as the best film of the mm. year, and Oscar talk, and this and that, and it was so not entertaining. So I'll, I can skip that when my wife brings it up. Yes. Oh, definitely <laughs> skip it. Okay. What I want to do is just give you a quick premise overview. Um, the podcast is three rounds. So we'll start with the fast forward round, which is um, a round where we'll just talk about things like, like, you know, your life, career, things like that. The second round is called five for five. So I have five questions for you. You get to ask me five questions. You'll start first and we'll just ping pong back and forth. And then the last round, we'll use this Fast Friends Fortune Teller uh, to reveal an activity, and uh, it'll be a fun activity. And then we'll end with a friend request where I basically ask you, based on our time together, would you accept my friend request uh, or or delete it? Okay. And so that's the whole premise. Any questions or should we jump right in? Jump right in. Let's jump right in. Just make sure your feet are pointed. <laughs> oh, geez. You, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, you don't, my dance form is terrible. Um, so I know that you are originally from and born and raised in Pittsburgh, um, and your mother ran a dance studio. How early were in your life did you start getting involved in that dance studio? I started taking class at three, as most children do. And it was a little different scenario than the whole mother daughter owner of a studio thing, because when my mom moved from Miami, Florida, where she had seven studios, and open, well, she married my dad and moved back to Pittsburgh. And he thought she was going to sit on the front porch with a babushka on her head and mm. talk to the neighbors. And she was like, mm, no, this is not happening. I was driving in a Cadillac convertible and my students were dancing, you know, back up for Sammy Davis Jr., the Rat Pack Elvis uh, at the Fontainebleau. So that changed real quick. She opened another studio and very quickly she had this uh, influx of students from another neighboring town, the big okay. dance studio in the next town. And she couldn't understand why she was getting all these kids. Well, turns out it was because the studio owner had two daughters and the daughters were a nightmare. They were in every routine in the front, in mm. the middle, it was all about them. So my mother very quickly made the decision that it would not be all about me. Yeah. And my dad took me once a week for my lesson and I went home and that was it. It wasn't until I was 13 uh, and I would go away with my mother 
every summer to continue her education, I would go to these big, huge dance conventions in Orlando, in Vegas, in New York. And she just took me. She didn't take a whole group of students. So Mm -hmm. I took from some pretty incredible pioneers in the dance industry. And I was quite personable and would walk around and talk to all the exhibitors like Capizio and Dance Skin. And, you know, everybody knew my name. So that was kind of it. And uh, my parents were older. They raised me to be very independent. And then when I was 13, uh, we got a flyer in the mail that there was a dance competition coming to town. And that was the very first ever of a competition. Mm. You know, that didn't exist before. You did your recitals, you did performances, you went to the old folks' homes, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so I said, Mom, I want to enter this. And she thought, oh, you want to do a solo in this competition? I was like, oh, no, I want to choreograph a routine and enter it. So I took three girlfriends. And I put them together in a trio. I taught them the dance. I got the costumes. I rhinestone them. I edited the music. That's when you had to take reel-to-reel tape and like put it in this little metal thing and slice it with the razor and tape it together. That's uh, that's how long ago it was. And uh, so I did all that, and they won. And yeah. that little plastic, like fourteen-inch trophy, I got, and I thought, this is what I was put on this earth to do. You know, because when my dad took me to dance class, he also took me to clarinet lessons and swim team and Girl Scouts and brownies and roller skating and ice skating. I did everything and nothing well. (laughs) So that's that's when you knew like this, the choreographing is is really where you shine. And you started doing that there at her studio, right at like competitive teams at like what age? That was like right then, right? Right. So then that fall. Uh, when I turned 14, my birthday's in September, I asked my mom if I could start a competition company in her, within her studio. And she said, yes, on one condition, everybody that comes makes it. Anybody that tries out has to make it. You can't turn away my students because then they're going to quit and not pay tuition. Right. So, uh, I had 15 kids, one boy and 14 girls. And, uh, that was the start of the Abby Lee dance company. And not long after I had 148 kids, we were flying all over the country. And I was taking these kids from Pittsburgh, uh, from usually the neighborhood of Penn Hills or the surrounding suburbs. And they were traveling to places they would never have been able to go. You know, in Pittsburgh, your idea of vacation is like Ocean City, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. uh, Maryland, you know, uh, uh, Conneaut Lake up in Erie, you know, that's, that's like a big vacation. Suddenly these kids were going to Vegas. They were in the contemporary hotel in Orlando, things that they wouldn't have been able to do had it not been for all the fundraising that they were allowed to do through the dance company that we provided for them, all the rehearsals, all the time and energy. So that they were even on a cruise ship once. Wow. So yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. It's like life-changing. I mean, the opportunity that comes from that. Um, And then I would get like a goal. So then it was my goal to have my first professional dancer that I trained mm -hmm. and I did. And she was going to Tokyo Disneyland. So suddenly I was on a flight to Japan, Uh, you know, and then the next goal was to get a kid on Broadway. The next goal was, you know, so just keep moving the, yeah, moving the goalposts further and further with, with like the first uh, group of, of kids that you were um, choreographing for. So were they, how much younger were they than you at that time? So I was 14 and they were that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 age okay. range, the okay. same age range as the kids when the TV show started. It's all, yeah. 
but yeah. yes. And I didn't want to do the teenagers because they were older than I was. They weren't going to listen to me. Yeah. But, and this, this age was good. And they were kids that wanted to do more with their dancing that showed promise in their classes. They wanted to do more than just a recital at the end of the year. Yeah. That's okay. But the main thing is I learned very quickly that in order to have dancers who could do the choreography that I envisioned, I had to create better dancers, stronger mm -hmm. dancers, mm -hmm. uh, more versatile dancers. So then I kind of set off to be a good teacher. Mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. say that today I'm still a good teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because you can, you can start – you have the vision and then you start molding from a younger age, right? And by the time they get to that age where you can, you, you know what they can do and what they're capable of and how, how to bring it all together. Right. Um, okay. So you fast forward just a little bit in your twenties, I think is when you took over the studio, right? Like, and actually started how running do you it. know all this? I, I do a lot of research. Okay. So yes, I okay. legally, legally took over, like business wise took over. Yes. Yeah. But my like dad. Was, Right. My dad was still alive. So he ran yeah. the books, you know, he took yeah. care of everything. It's very difficult to be inside a studio creating working employable dancers and winners and champions and be out at the front desk, making sure everyone's paid. Absolutely. And I, I never really figured that out till this day. I have not mm. figured that out. <laughs> and I, you know, trusted the wrong people, but yes. Oof. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that probably a little, a little okay. down the road. Um, with so you're obviously you're in Pittsburgh, which is a smaller city, right? Like um the notoriety as as like you're doing this and the kids are traveling and, and doing a lot more competitions. This is when Lifetime, I believe, came knocking on your door eventually, right? Like down the road. No. 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 So see I my research kids. is wrong. See, I had kids. <laughs> well, no, they just want you to believe it. So they had uh so th this is I mean, my whole life was the studio. So I've had kids in 33 Broadway shows. Wow. I have had every title holder from Pennsylvania as far as uh, like petite Miss Dance, junior Miss Dance, teen Miss Dance, Miss Dance, Mr. Dance, teen Mr. for the nation. Not only did they win in Pennsylvania, but then they went on to the nationals, nationals and yeah. they won there. Okay. Uh, I've had the dance captain at Walt Disney World, Orlando, Florida in Beauty and the Beast for 23 consecutive years has been one of my students. Wow. Uh, yeah. I've had 17 back-to-back -back contracts for Tokyo Disney, which is Incredible. a great job for a young person graduating from high school to go live in another country for seven months and get paid very handsomely. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I did. And I drove the kids back and forth to New York city for the audition. You know, if I said, okay, uh, this now at this point in my life in my thirties, so Bernie Telsey casting, Johnson Lift casting from New York City. They would call my studio directly. My secretary would come in and say, Howdy, Johnson Lift's on the phone. They need a 14-year-old looking kid that does a left side aerial tomorrow in New York City at four o'clock. And so I went wow. into the studio and I said, okay, who does a left side aerial? You're going to New York tomorrow. <laughs> now to tell these parents, working class, middle class. Right small dreams in Pittsburgh, small dreams that there you had to drive to New York, take the day off of work tomorrow, get in the car, drive to New York city, sit outside, let your kid go up and audition, come back, drive back home. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to do that. No, there's no way in hell they were going to do that. So guess who took off work? 
me. Guess who got a substitute for my studio? Me. And I put those kids in the car. I drove to New York City. I'm sure I paid for all the gas. I'm sure I paid for McDonald's on the way. And yeah. I'm sure I took them in, took them to the audition. And then I probably spent a fortune because I have to go to the fabric district and pick up this, that, and the other thing. I have to go to the rhinestone trim place and pick up this, that, and the other thing. Uh, we're maybe going to try to see a Broadway show because after all, we're in New York City. Why sure. wouldn't we? Yeah, then we're going to stay in a hotel because it's too late to drive all the way home. Then, you know, so that went on. I was in New York at least once a month with kids wow. that were not my own children. On the spur of the moment. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. So <laughs> when did, because obviously when Dance Mom started, right, that's like, that was the okay. national stage. Like so, how did that show so, even? No. So jump way ahead, way okay. ahead. I'm okay. 40. My dad's passed away. I'm, I'm at my wits end. Their economy crashed in 2008. I'm paying nine and three quarter percent interest on my building that's oh, wow. still not paid off. I, I, it was the it, people, it was so bad. And those, the kind of middle of the road kids that were coming two days a week, paying a substantial amount, but the kid really wasn't that great. Yep. That's who kind of quit. That's who wasn't dancing anymore. The babies where it's cheap, you know, 40 bucks a month, it, they were still coming uh, and paying. And then the really advanced kids that were paying $250 a month and getting like a college education out of it uh, and a career they kept coming. They just didn't pay. Not everybody, but a lot of them didn't pay. So, uh, and my secretary had left. The parents were getting out of control. It was just a nightmare. And, uh, I got to the studio one day and there was a foreclosure sign on, like my building was up for sheriff's sale because of taxes I didn't pay. And I was like, what do you mean? The taxes are an escrow. Well, I, I pay the mortgage every month. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I had refinanced it and did, did some things without my dad by my side. My mother didn't know. We, I did what my, I had an accountant and an attorney and they were telling me what to do. Anyway, I had to declare bankruptcy because of $37,000, uh, which I should have never done. And, uh, the show started four months later to okay. the day. And, I wish I would have just said, okay, forget it, sell the building. I don't care. Because then they wouldn't have had a place to shoot. Maybe right. the show would have never happened. Uh, so I had a friend in LA who was a successful professional working dancer. Okay. He was coming, he was like 36, coming to the end of his career. I was 45 at this point and had achieved every goal that I set out to achieve. And now I was like, I can't stand these mothers. And what it's just ridiculous. And I've won everything. We're going to win. Now every dance teacher in Pennsylvania hates me because we show up and we win. They pull their numbers. They don't even compete against us. You know, that kind of thing. So, and the kids had gone to Disney and Vegas. How many times can you keep going and, and getting the same prizes, you know? So he, I, we were in Vegas and he was judging a competition or he was at the competition with kids. I can't really remember that. But we bumped into each other and it was like, hug, kiss. Oh my God, I haven't seen you in so long. Cause he was a, grew up in the competition world. I knew mm -hmm. him when he was junior Mr. Dance, team Mr. Dance, whatever. So, uh, I said, I had my really good kids at the Mirage hotel competing. Then I had my n little ones, 
maybe not so good kids at another hotel competing at another competition. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, I have to get in a taxi and run over to the other hotel. Why don't you come with me and watch these solos? So he jumped in the car and away we went and we got there and, uh, one little girl did her solo and the next little girl and the next little girl. And he was like, Oh my God, Abby, these kids are so cute. They should be on television. They're amazing. And I'm rolling my eyes like, yeah, whatever. He just wasn't in that world anymore. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing like the, the Grammys and the Oscars and you know, that kind of stuff. So Celine Dion's Vegas show. So <laughs> I, I said, you're crazy. So we go out to the pool to meet their mothers and they were drunk and broke and bitching about every single thing, the hotel, the rooms, the food, you know, whatever. And, uh, then we get back in the taxi, go back to the other hotel. And he's like, Oh my God, this, this is, this is a TV show. This could be a TV show. This is nuts that this is your life. And I said, yes. So then for the next year and a half, I spoke to that man two, three times a day, every day, answering questions from well, how do you enter the competitions and who gets to do a solo and who doesn't and how do you pick them to what happens when dot, 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 and what happens when dot, 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 and, and constant. So then he took the show, the concept of the show, a format mm-hmm. to a friend of his who was the casting director for the bachelor and the bachelorette. Okay. And she said, you know, I hate kids, but this isn't for me, but I do think you have something here. So I'm going to put you in contact with another friend of mine who does like kids birthday parties and TV show about it and stuff like that. So the two guys met and they formed a business partnership and then they took the show to Collins Avenue, which is a production company. I don't, I think they went to a couple and were turned away. They went to Collins. Collins was down out, never had a hit, nothing. And Collins Avenue gave them $3,000 to shoot a sizzle. Okay. And a sizzle was like a three to five minute clip of what a show would be like. And it was just stock stuff. And so it was mothers fighting and kids crying and mothers screaming and kids crying and kids dancing and mothers crying. You know, mm-hmm. that, it's, that's what it was. And I remember the phone call. Do you have any of the kids eight by tens in your computer that we could use? And I did because. Yeah. My photographer shot them. I was standing there. I dressed the kid. I probably bought the damn outfit for the kid to wear for the eight by ten. And so that's what they did. And then uh, they he, they used those. And most of the kids that they used I ended up actually being in the show. So then after that, they said, "Okay, we're going to shoot. Uh, we're going to interview. We're going to come into town and we're going to interview." Now they could have shot this in Arizona, where the guy's from. They could have shot it in L.A. They, right. there's plenty of kids here, you know, uh, they liked that it was cheap in Pittsburgh to shoot, that sure. there was a lot of tax benefits and that I had that studio that I owned, that I built that mm-hmm. it, with that upstairs viewing in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then they flew in and they interviewed, this is where, if you talk to other people, this is where it gets falsified and people okay. lie about it. They're moms. Uh, they interviewed 30 families, okay. 27 were from my studio, 27. There were three extra one or well, two were friends of mine that had boys 
that I thought okay. were funny, hilarious. And I kept telling those mothers, you need to move to LA with these boys. Just forget your husband, forget your teaching, go to LA and your kid's going to make it. And I truly still believe that. And then one was Kathy who ended up being my like nemesis, the candy apple lady. And she actually was a colleague, a friend. I had choreographed for many of her students. She brought them there to more or less for me to like kind of clean them up for these competitions and, and go put them through an interview process just like this, uh, that type of thing. And she said, Hey, are you really doing a TV show? She called me and I was like, well, maybe, I don't know yet. Uh, they're going to shoot here. She said, yeah, they called me to come in. They liked my video I submitted. And I'm thinking, oh my God. (laughs) I said, well, why don't you come and you can do the interview and then we'll go to lunch afterwards. Okay, fine. That was it. She was the first person cast on the show. Wow. Kathy was. Yes. And this is the big misbelief here. So they let on that thousands of applicants tried out for this show thousands that's not true yeah my kids at my studio probably 150 sent it in who the hell right. else ever knew about it no one else knew right just people that follow me and stalked me my competitors <laughs> that's the only one that knew so then after so those 27 people that auditioned there were many that were a lot more talented than the kids that were cast on the show and that's what kills me so the they, nobody would ever danced at this. It wasn't an audition. It was an okay. interview. So the kids sat in a chair next to their moms. Okay. Period. They didn't dance. Then they put a package together and tried to sell it. And I got a phone call in Pittsburgh that they needed a dozen of my program books overnighted to California. A program book was like a 200 page photo book that I put together every year. People bought it, paid for pages in the book. You know, it was that kind of thing of their child. And I can make anybody look amazing in a picture, anyone. So they needed those books overnight. I didn't even have the money to overnight these dozen big, thick, heavy books. So they sent me like a code number. I overnighted them. And in there were 11 people, 11 networks interested in the show. 11. So then they had these at each place setting when they went to do the pitch. And then it got down to what, six and then four and then two. And it was Bravo and Lifetime. And let's just say we lost because Lifetime bought the show. And uh, yeah, so, and it was sold by that point, it was sold as a housewives show centered around a dance studio. So it was all about the moms. It had nothing to do with me or the kids at that point. Okay. Okay? Lifetime is not a children's network. It was not a kid's show. Right. So we shot the first episode and we used an old dance routine that most of the kids knew. The Mm -hmm. oldest one had to learn it and the little one had to get stuck in there for like 30 seconds. So she was part of it. And then the second episode, the same thing. Then now remind, I'm reminding you of how bad of a businesswoman I am. Nobody paid me a dime. They walked into my studio. They started shooting. I hadn't signed one piece of paper. They trudged the wet and the, the 
grime from outside on big work boots into my studio, into my beautiful dance floors that my dad, mom and dad gave me their life savings to buy that property and build that building. And they destroyed my business. They destroyed my business. So after shooting, we were shooting the third episode and I was just an on-camera choreographer. Period. Okay. I was not on the show. Okay. I was only on it choreographing the dances. And if they caught me on camera, fine. But I was so heavy. I mean, I tried to stay far away from those cameras. And uh, there was an episode where the mom was a minister. She came in screaming at me. Our kid wasn't on the show. She came in screaming at me. And uh, I picked up the phone. I called 911. He said, officer dispatcher, this is officer Broadway. How can I help you? And I went, Broadway, is this for real? Like, I I just couldn't believe it was all happening. So anyway, after that episode, when that footage got back to lifetime executives, they were like, who is this? Yeah. Uh, uh, Hello. This is the person's studio you're using for free in Pittsburgh. That episode, the footage got back to them. Who is this? This is the lady studio you're using for free. Okay. Well, we just found, we found the reason we're doing the show. She is the glue between these kids and these moms. This is what's going on. And, uh, they knew they had something, but they weren't sure quite what it was. So that was it. And then they stuck at a competition. I wish this was video. So you could see at a competition, uh, they stuck in front of me a piece of paper on the stage. Like I was down in the pit and because yeah. uh, I was watching the lighting and the camera angles because we were using different camera guys in, in, we went to Arizona for our very first competition. So we didn't bring the crew from Pittsburgh. We used the guys in Arizona. They didn't know the dance routine. They didn't know what the kids were coming and going. So I was doing this with them. And a piece of paper was put on the stage in front of me said, this is just, he said, this is just a, an appearance release, Abby, everybody here has to sign them. Everybody here. And I said, okay. And I hemmed and hawed and I was like, and I got the thing and I, and I tried it because they said the kids won't be allowed to compete. So all Mm. these kids are looking at me like this, like, so I signed it and I signed a 15 or I signed a four year contract with a four year option for $1,500 an episode. And had no idea that that's what you were signing off on. (sighs) Wow. So, okay. So that's that. Wow. That's how, that's how it came to be. That's how the show started. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the other thing is with the business, uh, people came to me who had very advanced, amazing students and said, are you really sure you want to do this? It's you've worked your whole life to build this legacy, to build this amazing studio with these kids that are just going on to do everything. You are generating more professional dancers than Point Park University. So do you really want to do this? And what they meant was now that why they were upset, the people that either didn't get it or didn't audition was here you are rewarding the, the mother's who don't follow the rules, who don't pay their bill on time, who come upstairs and brag that they didn't pay. They got past the front desk without paying. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to take their kid, give them more attention, make them better. And 
who knows what they're going to get to do, where they're going to go and this and that. Never did those people think it would end up that those kids would be millionaires Mm -hmm. and their mothers from the show. But that's kind of what they meant. And imagine taking your child. Do you have children? I don't know. I have nieces. Okay. Well, imagine, you know, you get them at school, you drive them to the studio, it's snowing out, it's freezing cold. You're shoving, you know, a snack in their mouth and you get to the studio, they jump out of the car, they run in and they can't get the door open. The door, some six foot three guy is on the other side of the door holding it shut because they're filming a scene in the entrance in the Mm. lobby. Yeah. And this, there's two little eight year olds freezing cold outside that can't get in. Yeah. That's how it ruined my business. Oh God. It was so bad. It was horrible. And I should have demanded, I mean, in hindsight, I should have demanded all those kids be homeschooled and that every camera be out of my building by four o'clock so mm-hmm. that classes can go on as normal. And had I done that, uh, you know, I think I would still have a big business today. Yeah. Wow. It's like the dark side of, I mean, <laughs> obviously there's the dark side that, that Lifetime wanted people to see, right? When we talk about the editing and all of that. Um, okay. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I feel like you get a lot of, um, a lot of like, I don't know, like critics saying like that you're like harsh on the kids, blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. Like what, (laughs) I have a couple of questions on this. Like, I feel like anytime that people are what I'll call truthful (laughs) or honest, um, Like there's this, and I'll use Simon Cowell from American Idol for like lack of a better example, right? Like people are always hating on Simon and it's like, Simon knows talent, right? Like, do you want to be there and competing? Like, and I guess that was my, always my question about this. Like, cause when I would watch the show, (laughs) I was like, do, do you want your kids to be good or not? Right? Like, and if not, like, why don't you take them somewhere else? Like what's making you stay here? Uh, Well, I say that. Every time I see some article that one of the kids from the show did and they say how negative and how horrible and how awful, but hello, uh, you were 10, you started at three and you came back at four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and 10. And you might not have had me as a teacher at three or even four or five, but certainly at six when you got that jacket and you joined that dance company, you had me. So the first four years you kept coming back for more. Suddenly you're on a show and you hate me. You know, I, I didn't ruin that relationship with those kids. The show did the producers did. And I just, I don't know if the kids will ever realize that there was one article recently and it said, one of the kids said, I don't even remember the show. I blocked that part of my life out. And I'm like, uh, let me remind you where you lived. Let's look at a picture of your house before <laughs> the show and a picture of your house after the show. Let's look at mommy and daddy's bank account before the show. And now your own bank account after the show. I'll remind you all about you. Yes. Right. Right. Ridiculous. They're ridiculous. <sighs> yeah. That was, that was always my thing is, um, is I just didn't understand. Like, I feel like, um, as little as I know about competitive dance, like just watching the show at the time, I was like, obviously this is, you're not going to like what I'll use, like in my hometown, there's like Ronnie's dance studio, right? That's like, you go once a week, you have fun. Like you do a little recital, you're on your way, right? Like that's your dance. We this have is not that. that. Too. Yeah, sure. We sure. Have that at our studio, we offer that. And that's another mis- 
conception. Okay. But you have to be good before you walk in the door. No, we have beginner classes. We have beginner teenagers. You know, that's fine. However, in this, this is all a problem. Me being so harsh on the kids is because three episodes in the network came to me and said, we want a new number every week. And I went, we're there. Who, who's going to do the new number? Every week? Well, what do you mean with your cast? And I would say, these kids can't do a new number every week. Some of them can't remember a solo and they've learned it six months ago and they still don't know it. Are yeah. you nuts? Had the auditions been in LA, had they flown kids in from all over the country to audition for the show and they knew that they had to pick up fast and do a new number every week, it would have been a different cast. Mm-hmm. Nia's mom wouldn't have taken off work to come. Chloe wouldn't have been allowed to miss school for an hour to get on a plane to come. Brooke uh, and Paige, their mom, they weren't prepared. They didn't know about it in time. They're not ready. They wouldn't have come. And maybe Melissa would have sent Maddie. Maybe if I would have brought her by myself, by herself, I mm-hmm. could have taken her. She would have been allowed to go. So that's what I mean. They, they interviewed the kids. They're yeah. cute. They're pretty children. They look good on camera. They yeah. could speak, but they couldn't do doing dance every week. And yeah. us forcing them to and pushing them to is what caused the conflict. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, there's, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this. So I'm going to try to like focus my, <laughs> focus my questions, but I'm um, a talker too. I know. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I just went out with a guy last week and he was really a talker. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if two of us can, can live in the same place. Have you listened to their, like, because mom said so podcast at all? No. Like, do you know anything about that? Okay. No, I I have not either. Wait, what I do laugh about is that they hated the show. They didn't want on it. They wanted nothing to do with it, but all they do is talk about it. Yeah. Every, like every week. Yeah. Yes. Still. <laughs> oh, and that's geez. another reason I didn't want to do a podcast because I thought, oh, they're just going to think I'm copying off of them. I don't want to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. So, I mean, obviously, Dance Moms was was huge. I don't I don't know if anybody, could, like you said, could have predicted that it would have been what it was. I watched um, the very first episode. We were in some bar, dive bar in Vegas, and we were competing there. And we watched the episode, and Gianna and I were together, and I leaned over to her and I was like, well, nobody is going to watch this shit. It is so bad. And that was it. <laughs> so I just started having fun right there in Vegas on that episode. I was like, well, this is fun. Cause this is all going to end real soon. I'll go yeah. back to my studio. We'll, I'll pick up it. We'll, we'll get some notoriety. We'll sell some t-shirts. It'll be fun. And, uh, and never did. I thought, I mean, I think never did. I think Kenny fixed that. Never did <laughs> I think that I, would be on the side of a bus in New York City and Chicago and on the bus stops. And eventually my face like this, you can't see it, but my headshot was 13 stories big in wow. LA on the side of Grumman's Chinese theater. Wow. And the press interviewed one of my former students who was really my favorite one of my favorites. Oh, she's a magnificent dancer, Katie Hackett. She was won every single title. She's just gorgeous. And she worked for professionally for many, many, many years, probably 12 years. Uh, she, in the interview, she said something very poignant. I thought, uh, because when I trained these kids for these 
competitions, these dance competitions, when it was your solo, I had, they had to do an interview with five judges, sit down in a business suit or a beautiful little business type dress, something Mm -hmm. like that, how they sit, how they use their hands or don't use their hands, how they speak, how the eye contact. I worked with those kids day in and day out. And I remember Maddie's first big, huge competition. She was first in the talent, first in tap, first in ballet, first in jazz, and first in acrobatics. Never before had that happened that the same kid was first across the line and 16th in interview. Wow. She couldn't speak. She couldn't look at anybody. She couldn't, you know, and then like, look at her now. Yeah. I did something right. So, uh, but anyway, so this Katie girl said to the press, she said, you know, Abby is doing what she trained all of us to do. She is on the red carpet speaking like she trained us. Mm -hmm. She is doing these interviews all over the world. Like she trained us to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I found that point because you never think about being on the other end of it. And you know, when you're at Sears sewing school, because your mom and dad bought the, the Kenmore where whatever the brand was Sears sewing machine, you got the lessons with it. And I learned to sew. But then I could design costumes and I could tell a seamstress what I wanted them to do. Not that I could really sew it, but I knew I was in the garden club, junior garden club, and you learned flower arranging. Well, honey, I can make a headpiece out of flowers. <laughs> that's so good. You don't even look at those kids feet because all you're looking at is those headpieces. Uh, you know, like all those things that you did make you the person you are. And yeah. I didn't realize that I had any of those talents and still until I started doing it. And then someone would point out to me, well, weren't you in the garden club? You know, like one of my neighbors. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the club. look at it. Three, three, middle, tall, short. You got it. You figured it out, you know? Yeah. So I, it all happened very fast. Yeah. And, and then the money came flying it, not from the network, but from me teaching around the country, me sure. teaching around the world for us. And somebody, I was in the office at the production company and a guy was an editor. He was one of the editors. And he leaned over to me in a meeting. They all came in to meet me and say hello. Because this was like the first trip they ever had. And uh, he came in and he whispered in my ear. He said, when you get home, design a t-shirt and get it on your website right now before anybody tells you anything else. And I did. And then, you know, I look at my life now and they took me to agents. They took me to managers. They took me to branding agents. They took me to all these things, uh, the, the production company, I had these incredible meetings and we were all, we're going to have a clothing line. It's going to be in target. You're going to have dance wear everywhere, blah, 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 blah. And then none of it ever happened. Mm-hmm. And I found out years later, years after my contract was up that I was stopped from doing any of those things. The network put a stop to all of it. Behind my back, I didn't know that. So there's no way to actually until recently. Yeah, they they just didn't want me to have that power. Yeah, because then I wouldn't really need them anymore. Right. Wow. Um, I do want to shift gears. I know. Sorry, like I said, I could talk to you for for days about this, but I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking. But (laughs) no, you you better stop saying um. (laughs) Oh, okay. 
I'll, I'll be very conscious of that now. Uh, oh, no, I won't. See? <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about... See? Now I'm going to notice every time I do it. Uh, so so with uh, with your time away, the I, I've heard staycation. you talk about... Yeah, your staycation. On behalf of your taxes, thank you very much. You're you're welcome, I guess. Uh, it sounds though like it wasn't it wasn't great uh, with the guard, like the the things that you suffered at the hands of some of the guards that I've heard you describe, like ripping out eyelashes, things like that. I mean, it, is I don't want to like rehash that and and like make you, but there, that's got there's got to be something that can be done about that, right? There, that reality. There's- there's nothing. I've tried to reach out to Kim Kardashian many times to ha- sit down and have a conversation with her about what is really going on uh, with the camps as well. Uh, you know, you, you're going to a camp, so it's supposed to be all white collar. And it is. It is. Uh, the women were wonderful. I mean, you have your haters, but it, you always have. There's many girls. That, that's yeah. that. Uh, but there's never any fighting or anything because the people that are in there that used to be in the penitentiary or used to be in, you know, lockdown or whatever. They have had good behavior to work up to get to the camp. So they're not going to do anything to jeopardize where they are. No way. Uh, I met the most intelligent, kind, wonderful women. So smart. uh, That took the fall for a guy that fought the government and said, I am not guilty. I did nothing wrong. They got a year and a day, ended up with seven years, eight years. A lovely, lovely little lady that lived next to me was uh, the receptionist at a real estate agency and was in prison for three years because she signed for the mail, the registered mail that came didn't make a dime, didn't profit anything, didn't buy all these properties under fictitious names. Nope. Just signed for the mail. It's insane. It's insane what the government is doing. And even the warden said to me, we got a new warden, thank God. And uh, he said to me, I read your whole case. What the hell are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is crazy. Hmm. How does somebody go to, to prison, end up being there for eight and a half months, because they were maybe going to walk away from a vacation home. And because the judge said, well, if Chase Bank knew that you were making that much money on a television show, they would have never negotiated the rate so low. Logan, the rate was 4.7. It's lower now. Mm-hmm. What does mm-hmm. what sense does that make? And I wasn't going to walk away from the vacation home. I told my attorneys, no way. My bankruptcy attorney is no way I'm never doing that. I might never get property again. I'm too frightened that I wouldn't have credit again. I'm not walking away from it. Just I'm not every other house in my neighborhood was up for sale. People did walk away. People took the toilets out and everything else. Mm-hmm. I didn't not me paid every, every month. No problem. So, you know, it's just because in bankruptcy, if you can't pay like one thing, everything you have has to go to bankruptcy foreclosure, right. everything. Melissa went bankrupt for $3.2 million. Don't hear that. She didn't pay a dime back. Not wow. a dime. I paid every single person 100% adult on the dollar. 100% I paid them. If they wanted late fees or fines or whatever, we paid that too. Wow. 
do you um do you stay in touch with anyone that you met yes there? absolutely absolutely yeah. you know they mm-hmm. kind of you know, like the table, like the popular kids sit in school. It's just like that. So they kind of took me under their wing when I arrived and, uh, we've remained friends and we'll be friends till we die. Absolutely. That's amazing. amazing. You make me tear up. They're wonderful people. Yeah. Yes. Well, you said, I I've heard you say that the, a lot of the people there just want somebody to hear their story. Right. So they do. If you want to sit and you listen and you really are a good listener. They just want to hear it. They want to tell their story. Yeah. They do. Oof. That was one of my shows I pitched fed up. Yeah. It was, it was just like, that would be a good podcast though. I could have each one of them on and they could just tell their story. That's oh yeah. And crime is, podcast. yeah. Podcasts, people love uh, crime, like crime related podcasts. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it, again, it would vary based on, on what they're there for. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, everybody has these amazing stories. Yeah. Or you the, should take that. The not crime story, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. believe they're innocent till the day. So do I. I yeah. mean, not innocent, just stupid, just just busy, just whatever. When you have an accountant and you're paying them, and you have an attorney and you're paying them, why aren't they doing what they're supposed to do? Yeah, you know why didn't they say, "Whoa, Abby, stop! Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, can't do that." Right. And bankruptcy shouldn't be like a thing. It's like a college class that you enroll in. You have to take lessons. You have to do this. You have to do that. But, but suddenly if you have enough money to pay everyone back that day, you should pay everyone back, but it doesn't work like that. Hmm. You, you can have the money. It just sits there. And you're like, why aren't you paying everyone? Well, it doesn't work like that. You have to get out of bankruptcy. Everyone has to get paid at the same time. It's very strange. The whole thing. That's so weird. And like I said, I, in hindsight, I would have borrowed a thousand bucks from 37 different people. Yeah. Yeah. And in four of- months. In, in four months, told the show, hey, if you want to come here and shoot, I need this $37,000 right up front back. Right, right. To pay everyone. They'd have had their, I could have paid them double and they would have had their money back in, in right. four months. Yeah. Jeez. I want to talk about um, a little bit about uh, your lymphoma diagnosis and obviously um, all the work you've been doing. I've been watching like Instagram stories and stuff, all of the work you've been doing to start walking and stuff again and standing and like taking small steps. Um, how I, I, it's got to feel good to make to see the progress, right? Um, well, it did. I was doing great. And then I had another surgery that I don't think I should have had. Uh, and then it. I, I had another spine surgery that that actually was the original problem why I knew that doctor and why I had gone to him originally before the staycation because I needed to get all the notes that say you can't lift this, you can't sleep on a top bunk, you know, I had to be prepared. So I went to him and lo and behold, he finds that I have spondylolisthesis and, and I've had it since before puberty, he said. Oh, wow. He could tell from my bones that I must have done something like spotting somebody or something. Uh, so, so that's how I knew of him. So when I, and believe me, the guards in the prison are the reason that I'm in a wheelchair today. No, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Absolutely. So I was taken off all of I'm giving away some stuff because I just did a, I shot a documentary, a docu-series, uh, that was shot by Stephen Stone did it. And it is quite riveting. I would mm-hmm. say I name names. The names are printed across the screen and uh, it tells you all about, I was taken off my medication 
uh, in January of my staycation. And so when I was taken off cold turkey from diabetes medication and thyroid medication, incorrectly, wrongly. Sure. And then two months later, I end up with this horrific pain in the back of my neck. So when I went to six doctors within 10 days and got, go home and take it easy, sweetie, you'll be fine. In the meantime, it was Burkitt lymphoma choking my spinal cord. Mm -hmm. But what they were misdiagnosing was that I was in a thyroid storm, which is actually kind of what started it all the ball rolling. Yes. So that's what happened. So anyway, uh, I was doing great. And then it was the pandemic and mm-hmm. life sucked and it was horrible. So the doctor said, why don't we go in and do that other surgery? You've needed it. Let's go do it. And it wasn't bothering me because it's like kind of like a, your sacroiliac kind of thing when it goes numb down the side of your leg. It's very mm-hmm. similar to that. But I wasn't driving. So I'm in a wheelchair. So it You're didn't right, bother right. me. So, you know, people say to me, why would you have something done when it wasn't bothering you? My God, because the doctor said so. You're supposed to, you, you know, like growing up in Pittsburgh, the doctor said you needed this. You went and got the shot. That yes, was it. Yeah. Yeah. You had allergies. It. You're getting allergy shots. You know, we didn't know that it was steroids they're just pumping you up with and you're going to gain weight. You know, we didn't know that. We just did mm-hmm. what we we're supposed to do. So I did it and came out of the surgery. And two weeks later, I had two broken vertebrae and a bulging disc. So we had to go back in and do a, uh, like a, whatever it's called when the doctor screws up and has to do it over. Uh, and, so then he went in and put a lot of metal in my back, so much metal that you can feel it from the outside of me. Like if I put your hand in a certain place, like you could actually feel the metal. Uh, then again, work my ass off. I'm doing great, doing great. I get on a plane. I wait 15 months to travel to my home in Florida, the same house I went to prison for. So I get wait 15 months. I have my vaccines. I'm getting on the plane and I'm able to walk with the walker. Mm-hmm. up onto the plane, sidestep down to my seat and sit down. And I teared up because I was like, I did it. I did it by myself. I can fly all over the world now. I did it. I did it. Get to Florida. Two days later, I break my leg in two places. Oh, shit. The worst break the doctor had ever seen. Because my bones are very brittle from all the chemo. So why didn't they start some kind of treatment right after chemo? Like the day after, why didn't they start this osteoporosis kind of thing then? No, they don't. They have to wait till you break something. It's just so crazy. I never stayed in a hospital overnight in my 52 years of living. Not once until this happened to me. Until the whole pain in the neck. Yes. Wow. So that's where you're at now is, is is trying to deal with a bone issue? Yeah. So I lost 127 pounds during my staycation. I was in the best shape of my life mm-hmm. and or well, adult life. And then I started gaining it back sitting in a chair Then I broke my leg and then I could not be weight bearing on my right leg. Try to be paraplegic and not put weight on your right leg for three months, three months. And then I gained probably 20 more pounds back. And, uh, that's it. So that's where I am. So I'm weight bearing on my leg. Today I walked about 20 steps okay. with an occupational therapist. And uh, that's it. It's just, I hate it. I hate all of it. I just want to wave a magic wand and stand up again. Yeah. And I need a yeah. coach like me. I need me 
to coach me and I would be walking. Yeah. Do you, and that's, you, you probably don't get that from like, from people like a occupational therapist. They're a little the home healthcare. Oh my God. The home healthcare, they come, they take your blood pressure and your, your, what is it called? Your, your air, your intake, your, um, like your uh, oxygen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, and they take that. Then you sit, sit there while they wipe down all of the equipment that they just used on you. That's another 10 minutes. Then they, we walked 20 steps a couple of times and, uh, she left. That's it. It's not like living in a top therapy place in the world where right. you get it five times a day and they're stretching you and they're, you know, you're doing core and you're doing this and you're doing that. It's much different. Outpatient is very different. Yeah. Um, and I live so- alone. So right now it's like a party in my house. There's a million people here, but otherwise I live alone. So when you're alone, you really don't want to risk standing up and using a walker to go into the bathroom. Yeah. Cause yeah, one misstep and yeah, I'm back. T- I'm back. It's hard. Yeah. Right. I don't want to set myself back. Oh geez. All right. Do let's they, get to these questions. Are the yeah, Steelers yeah, yeah. winning or losing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're winning. I don't, I don't know good. that. Um, awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's jump ahead. I, I do want to, um, I, I want to get to the five for five round too. So I'll let you start. You're the guest. Uh, you can ask me a question, then I'll ask you a question. We'll go back and forth for the five, five questions. Okay. What do you do for a living? Uh, for a living, my paid job is that I work as a brand marketing manager, uh, for a consumer packaged goods company. Okay. Right. <laughs> what, what is your favorite chain restaurant? Oh, my favorite chain restaurant is probably uh, Skyline Chili. It's in Cincinnati. Um, it's it's one of those things that there's an emotional attachment for me. But uh, being here in Chicago, I don't get to eat it ever. I would say a widely available one is Arby's. Oh, I like Arby's too. I love Arby's. What do you get there? I, I love Arby's. You know why? Because they have lots of stuff at Arby's. They do. I I'm a I'm a my dad was the beef and cheddar all the way. But yeah. I am just a regular, regular Arby's and yes. I do, I do part Arby sauce and part ketchup on oh, there wow. and I get the potato cakes and the barbecue sauce on those. And now they have a really good provolone sticks. They're really good. Oh, and, yes. um, yeah. And an apple turnover all the way. Okay. Yes. I, we don't, we have one Arby's in LA and it's not near me. That's okay. it. Yeah. Did you ever take dance class as a child? No, no. Yeah. I think, uh. No, no, we didn't. I don't think we had anywhere to go for that. Where I okay, grew. well, because and I do love that TikTok has it, the whole world dancing. I love yes. that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, like dads and grandpas and old people and babies. Oh, yeah. I love it's it. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, what did your parents have you do? Like, what, like what as activity? a child, what did you do? Yes. Uh, my dad really wanted us to wanted me to play a sports and be good at it. We, uh, he wanted me to play basketball, but baseball was the, like what they pushed the most because I was actually decently good at it. Uh, not, I wasn't like, I wasn't going to be a, an MLB star. Right. But, okay. but I was like, okay. Um, I would like make the all-star team and like, I could hit a home run and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, that was, yeah. that was really what they pushed me the most for. My dad was actually a coach for a while. Uh, which is why I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to quit. Um, there's a story actually, when I was young, my dad, there was a kid that would hit the ball and he was a bigger kid like, like me. And, uh, he, but he didn't want to run after he hit the ball. So my dad would put little Debbie cakes on 
the bass. I was like, Frank, you cannot do that. <laughs> but he did it. He did it. He did, he did it. it. And you know I, what? I, I, the kid ran to the base. I, I, I like, I know. And people thought your dad was mean or crazy or whatever. And, yeah. and it's, you got to do what works, you know? What did your parents do for a living? My parents were very blue collar. My dad worked at a manufacturing uh, facility outside of Cincinnati. He started actually as a janitor there and then worked. Uh, he, he had some like skills in, he ended up doing like welding there in like the shop. Oh. He was a shop mechanic. And then my mom started her job as a retail person that then went to be on like a, she was a district manager in retail. And oh. then she left that. She was also very handy. So she actually went and worked at a local university as like a HVAC person. She's very like skilled uh, technically, which I did okay. not pick that up from either of them. Okay. So when in prison, in the camp, the camp is only there to help out the men, the institutions. So they teach HVAC as one oh. of the things. And they get all these girls doing HVAC and welding. Welding is another one. Wow. And all this stuff so that they can go fix the air conditioning and the heat in the men's institutions. So they can go weld whatever the problem is. So they can go. Yeah. So one of my friends that was in for a long time, she got out and she is this unbelievable welder because she's Asian. She's a woman and she's a welder union. So she's on the billboards, like for the, for the, the company and everything. Like she's a big deal now, which is great. Um, my dad, my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, he worked for Westinghouse and he welded the atom bomb. Oh, wow. The bomb wasn't made in Pittsburgh, but the shell that it went inside, it came to Pittsburgh and they put it in the thing and welded it. Yep. Yeah. Little, little known trivia fact. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Can I ask you my five questions for you in this round? Okay. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Oh, I would be Wonder Woman because I used to get that when I was younger that I looked like Linda Carter. And uh, what what does Wonder Woman do? I don't know. I know she has an invisible jet. I think she's just a badass. I don't know if she yeah, has like I, a specific. Yeah, I think she does everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's just a wonder. Yeah. Awesome. That, that's, um, okay. What's their favorite place that you've ever visited? Oh, God. I like London inside Harrods department store. Okay. Very specific. I could live in Harrods department store. Uh, The rest of London is very like Pittsburgh. It's just cold and rainy and dark. Uh, I I think that answer has yet to be. Okay. That's fair. You still got places to go. Yes. What is your favorite trait about yourself? I'm creative. My creativity to hear a piece of music or see an outfit and yeah, Yeah. I can create a whole routine, a whole show, a whole story about that. That's a gift. Yeah. My mom was really creative. She could take a paper towel and make it like a babushka. She could make it an apron and, you know, do this thing. She could make it like a lasso and do a cowboy dance with a paper towel. That's amazing. It's amazing. She sounds like an amazing woman. She was. She was, she was a pioneer, you know, to be 18, start your own business right after World War II, support yeah. your family, pay the mortgage, like everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what a great role model, honestly. I didn't when, realize it until too late, but yeah. 
I feel I feel like that happens though, right? People, like, yeah, it, yeah. You don't think of your mom that way until that we're at the funeral and the people are speaking about her, and I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You know? Yeah. 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 Wow. When were you at your happiest? You, you know, little with my dad. I was daddy's girl because he would come home. He was a yard master for the um, uh, Hill Connecting Railroad in Pittsburgh, where the steel mills are, and he would get home at two so that my mom could go to the studio. And, uh, you know, he took me to everything, everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what's the one thing that you think everyone should experience at least once? Me. No, I, <laughs> I would say dance class. I think that dance, I, I don't want to say this and put dance teachers out of business because Lord knows we don't need that right now, but dance should be taught to everyone. Every little boy, every little girl should take dance class. It teaches you so much more than soccer. Uh, you know, to be in front of a mirror, that mirror can be your best friend or your worst nightmare. Uh, the to, to speak in front of your class at school is nothing for a kid that's done a recital every year. Uh, you know, to, uh, to be on a stage, to experience what that's like to perform in front of a live audience, to learn theater etiquette, how to behave when you go to see a live performance, all of those things you learn in dance class. Yeah, that's a, so that's much a great more. answer. Waiting your turn in line, learning to raise your hand, learning to speak to your elder a certain way, all of those things you learn in dance class. Yeah. Not in school anymore. Not in school. <laughs> Not at home, unfortunately. Yeah. Those are great answers. Awesome. We're t- it's uh, time for the final round, which is the fortune teller. I'll ask oh, you a God. couple of questions that will reveal an activity. Um, it's pretty harmless, honestly. So the first question is, um, if we're in this scenario, you and I are on a road trip together in a car. And so I ask you to turn on a boy band playlist. Would you play in sync, One Direction, 98 Degrees, or Backstreet Boys first? What was the first one of those that, that started? Like, who started first? Who I feel was... like Backstreet Boys in the U.S., um, I feel like. And then because NSYNC, I think, well, they were they were all both bigger overseas. What's, and then... the, one, what's the one that, um, that um... oh, God. He's married. He has two boys. His short little hair. He dated Britney Spears. Oh, Justin Timberlake? Yeah. Who's, which yeah. one was he He's in? He's in NSYNC. Yeah, NSYNC. NSYNC. Great choice. NSYNC. They were more um, dan they they were dancers. Yeah. They were dancers NSYNC. for sure. Yeah. Um okay, so we stop at an exit and we're going to go through a drive through. Do we go through Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, or Arby's? Oh, Arby's. Arby's. Yeah. yeah. So under Arby's is truth or dare. Um, so I have a question or a dare, and you can pick which one. <laughs> um Well the dare, but I'm sitting here, so go ahead. <laughs> the dare was, uh, is there somebody from your contacts list that you would dare to come on the podcast on this podcast as a guest for me? Well, yeah, lots of people. Yeah. I mean, somebody that you think would be compatible oh. <laughs> or a great guest. Uh, well, he's not going to be a good guest, but he'll be funny. Uh, his name is Mackenzie soul. Okay. He's right a on. kid that walked into my studio, like, in LA, my studio in LA, like 500 other kids and said, Oh, he's so talented. And his mom, you know, he's talented and he could do this and that. And he was Billy Elliot and he's blah, 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 blah. 
and he can sing. He's here to be a singer. And I said, yeah, well, sing something like right there, right in the lobby, right in the entrance. And he did. And he could really sing. That's amazing. Yes. The 499 people before him could not, but yes, he, he did. So you can, you can call him up. He'll do this. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. So this is the moment that we build to in the podcast. So Abby Lee Miller, this is similar like to Facebook. If I were to send you a friend request based on our time spent together, would you confirm the friend request or would you delete it? Oh, I would confirm it. Absolutely. Yes. Except you might not want to do that because I can't really access my Facebook account. Some woman that like created it years ago won't give me control over it till this day. So Jesus. I don't really know what's going on with it. And I wish I did because there's a lot of people like from high school and stuff that post yeah. things on there that I would like to stay in touch with. And I can't get it now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you for being my friend. Thanks uh, so much for putting up with my absenteeism. <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. And it was worth uh, it was worth the effort. So okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, sweetheart. Appreciate Bye. it. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.